because in anything that we do, we have to know how to practice and it's okay to be bad at something at first. So I was kind of bad at getting back into painting. You know, I was kind of bad at, uh, you know, doing portraits and all that stuff. So what I did was I got, um, I enrolled in a class uh, with New York Academy of Arts, which is awesome, um, virtually. So we did the virtual thing and uh, I was using the, uh, the photos that I received from the mothers to just create bodies of work that um, I felt compelled to experiment with. So I've been actually doing that for months now. Welcome back to the Hot Mess to Awesomeness podcast, a show all about inspiring smart, busy women to put their happiness at the top of their to-do list. Join your host and life coach, Dion Thompson, as she chats with amazing women who have figured out how to make their happiness a priority, and more importantly, what it's really like to go from hot mess to awesomeness. And now, on with the show. <laughs> Welcome everyone to the Hot Mess to Awesomeness podcast. I'm your host and life coach, Dion Thompson, and I am here with my friend and I'm going to call like local legend in the making, Camille Miles. Okay, so <clears throat> we got connected through our children, which I think is fabulous. And because my child that did this connect, she's like my uber creative kid. And of course it was through like an acting class. And anyway, um, the minute I connected with you, I'm like, oh, oh girl, this is, this is a thing. And I'm very, very excited about, um, well, that you live in my community and I get to hang out with you for reals and really, really excited about the work that you're doing and putting out into the world. So thank you for being with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm quite excited to yeah, talk with you and talk with your listeners and give, give you a glimpse about my journey through this creative <laughs> life. Yes. Yeah, so before we like dive right in, so let me introduce you to everybody so that they kind of have an idea what I'm talking about. So uh, Camille's a French Canadian multidisciplinary contemporary artist and conservation activist, exploring imagery through portraiture rooted in gender roles, identity, motherhood, and the environment. Yes, please. She creates inspiring art that tells a story linked to childhood, self-reflection, and our impact on the world, which really, really, really calls to me. So she's been trained classically in fine arts, archaeology, and conservation, and she's constantly reimagining herself and pushing her own boundaries. She pursued an engaging career as an archaeologist in England, was a conservation professional in Rome, and park superintendent of Georgian Bay Islands National Park, which is local and close to my heart, uh, now being drawn to the power of public art as a social community conversation. She's been creating murals, large-scale public art sculptures, and is excited to be starting an art residency as well as preparing for a solo exhibition. And if you follow her on social, you know that she does all of this while exploring her love of the intersection between art, nature, conservation, and self. So welcome to the podcast, and I'm so excited to introduce you to my community. Um, I, as a like self-proclaimed creative, have always been very passionate about how each human brings, when we allow ourselves to bring creativity into our lives, uh, we give ourselves permission to explore, heal, find new ways to be our best selves. 
So I know that in your work, and it's so multifaceted and explores so many different sort of um, perspectives that you are doing that as well. So again, thank you. I'm super pumped. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, this is going to be fun. <laughs> so when we last chatted, you were sharing with me um, a project. You're working on a number of projects. You have some yeah. really big projects and big installations happening. You're working all over, um, but they, there's some more sort of intimate projects that you're working on. And one really appealed to me and um, it really connected to that sort of exploration of stillness and motherhood and, and self. And I, when we, I learned more about what you sort of used to do in your before times life, um, very structured, very organized, very almost corporate. And I'm curious as to how you got from that very structured life and very formal way of being to, um, and through art, I will say, but that you've taken a path to a more maybe freedom of expression while still doing big connected work. So I'm, I'm interested in your path, your journey, your hot mess moment. I mean, really the podcast is hot mess to awesomeness. Um, I'm curious about what caused you to make these shifts to explore, continuously explore new avenues and, and land in a sort of small nature focused community doing the brilliant work that you're doing today. Well, okay. I think that's a pretty loaded question, but I, I'm you're welcome. Two, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's always great to go back. And um, maybe when you look at my life now, it, it seems very um, all over the place and maybe fractured in a way uh, that I, I lived a, a few different paths at once. And I think that's okay. Mm -hmm. I think we all have. Um, creativity or like different passions, hobbies that just fuel our energy. And that's, and I always saw it that way, but I'll, I'll go back to, you know, I, I was always a, a creative kid, um, always like the artist, uh, won, you know, those little awards and painting stuff at, in high school, one of the best artists in high school. So that fueled me to go into art. And I was encouraged to do that um, by my family. And I, I kind of left um, uh, Gatineau, where I'm from, uh, Gatineau, Ottawa area. And I left for Montreal at a pretty young age. I was only 15. And wow. I, yeah, I left uh, without any money or anything like that. I, I got into a really good art school that just helped me express, but explore and experiment. Um, so I was doing a lot of that. And I was really passionate about, especially about sculpture and, and such and exploring my creativity. So then I, I actually returned to, to Gatineau and Ottawa and got into, I, I lived in a convent. I actually, um, to pay for my university, I uh, bought a convent and um, a bunch of rooms in them. So I just uh, basically paid for my own way by renting the rooms out. So I do, if anyone's listening, it's like, that's a really good investment for the future, for sure, to pay for university. So I did do that. Um, and I, what I loved about the university context is, was that it was a time to explore, experiment, not think about um, selling art or, you know, being creative uh, for the business side of things. That's a good thing and a bad thing. 
But mm -hmm. uh, for the good part of it is that you really got to feel your voice and um, explore where you want to go. And so I was doing a lot of sculpture work, installation work, video work, and came out of that um, and started working um, as like a, a video editor. And I traveled around the world and especially Las Vegas and Los Angeles to film um, pretty big people like Bill Gates and George Lucas. And, uh, and wow. I, yeah, I did these like cr creative projects that were great, but then started exploring um, uh, documenting museums and doing like virtual reality tours and mm -hmm. thought, oh, I love this museum context. And, I, and then I started working in art galleries and museums and the National Art Gallery of Canada. Uh, as a tour guide. So I did all those things and kept doing my art on the side and needed to make money. So that, mm -hmm. that was the big thing. I think there's a lot for creatives and a lot of people feel uh, that tension between, okay, I want to live this creative life, but how do you actually pay the bills? Right. And when you're in your twenties coming out of your, of university, I wasn't given a chance. So you know, I would get rejections all the time. Now I know rejections are normal. <laughs> However, <laughs> at the time, I don't think I was um, mature enough, I guess, to really understand that. And to, and I associated that with my worth, my self-worth. Mm -hmm. So I got kind of discouraged, um, but I kept applying, kept applying for things. And if you didn't have experience, a lot, like a lot of industries, if you don't have experience, they don't give you a shot. And if you don't give you, if you don't get a shot, then you don't get the experience. Right. So it was kind of like, okay, what, what am I doing with my life? Uh, maybe I should do my master's. So I went and I even went to uh, decided to do a fine arts master's, um, went to the first class in Montreal. I went to um, UCAM and I was like, no, it's not for me. I'm not doing this. After a round table of all the artists talking about their work, what they're doing, how they're um, feeling about it. I was like, no. So I think it's like knowing how to say no and, and seeing, okay, I don't have enough to say in this world. I'm just too young to really understand what I want to say. I need more ex life experience. But I want to just pause there. I know that there's so much more, but I, I wanted to just comment on a couple of things. Number one, yep. that's brilliant and kind of a deep awareness for a young person who is self-identifying as not having enough experience. Yep. Um, but there's that knee-jerk response that I think a lot of people, women specifically, have when they're feeling sort of either stuck or lost or unsure and sometimes feeling that pressure of like, I, I need to figure things, I have to figure things out now. Like, I can't move ahead. I'm, I'm not going to be, you know, uh, be able to self-sustain unless I figure this out, unless I get the thing that's going to make me profitable or whatever that looks like. And so often it's, what's the next piece of schooling or what's the next piece of paper that I have to get that will then, that will be the thing that makes everything better. And so I think it, it, there's two, it's twofold that you, like so many were like, yes, I will just go get the next piece of paper that's on the list, right? There it is. I did art. So it's art. And then here we go. But then that moment where you're like, oh no, 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 no. Um, I think that's a really powerful place. And not everybody has um, 
is, is able to listen. I did, I did a similar thing. I school after school, after school, different things, tried different things. And I remember I was in nursing school after doing other school. And there was a moment where I was like learning how to give a needle using an orange. And in the middle of it, I went, nope, never want to do this again. I'm like, wait, I never want to give a needle again. This is going to be a problem as a nurse. So I literally got up and left. So I feel you on that. Whoa, but it was almost like one of the first times I'd ever heard myself and then done the thing after. So what was that like to be able to go looking around at the people? They're all doing it like their thing, wearing their pride cap going, yep, I'm doing my master's. And you're like, no. So tell me about that. And of course, and then keep us going. But I think that's kind of like a, like, a, like we should shine a flashlight on that. Like, I think most okay. people would be like, yeah, that I moment exists. Yeah, I mentioned it because it was, I have those, aha, a few of those aha moments in my life. And I, that one was definitely one that I actually kept um, from anyone. I wasn't talking about it. And I almost felt ashamed about, you know, this is my, I was encouraged by my university professors to do this path, right? And that, you know, then you can become a professor and then you can become like this important artist. I'm like, oh, okay, I need this thing. Um, but when I went around the room and, and uh, you know, listen to others, not saying that I don't wanna listen to others and then you can, you do a lot of the comparison game. I think there's a lot of that too. But at the same time, I was like, well, you know, I, I don't have my shit together. <laughs> I don't know. I'm interested in too many things, but I still don't know what I want to say. And a lot of when you're creating art, when you're writing, when you're doing anything that's creative or even whatever you're doing in life, you have those moments of um, deep self-reflection. And then you say, okay, what do I need to like research? Uh, what do I need to um, take in so I can give back out? That is what I was missing. So I decided to become an archaeologist. <laughs> That's when I just, I was like, I go way back in history. I'm going gonna, gonna to go figure myself out way over there. <laughs> exactly. It's like, you know what? I, I really love archaeology uh you know indiana jones why not who doesn't <laughs> like indiana jones right you're not well, listening to this podcast if you don't like indiana jones I exactly guess. you have to um so i decided to do that a bit in england and came back i was still passionate about it and then i got like this really awesome internship um to rome for for like six months uh where i learned italian and i you know ate a whole bunch of gelato it was kind of a eat pray love but much younger I guess. <laughs> yeah, so I, I uh I did well with the pasta eating and um you know touring around but it was a, a lot of it was being okay with being by myself being alone and having that journey of like self-reflection uh understanding like that it's okay to be on your own. I was working in a work environment, but I didn't have any friends. It was like a starting over, right? So everything was possible. And I would visit so many um, historic sites. I was like, okay, this is what I'd like 
to do is work in conservation to help protect these sites. Mm. So I went back to Canada and got this awesome job as a conservation activist in um, like a national nonprofit working for historic buildings. And then I toured around Canada everywhere in little communities and that I was still creating art. So I, I have to say like all through this, this was like paying my bills. Um, but at the same time, I was, um, you know, taking a lot of photos, doing, I was mostly doing paintings and exploring that side of things, more of like a hobby. And I would, I would do exhibitions here and there, but it was more, um, I was more fo focused on um, fueling that research, fueling myself, what I wanted to say, who I was becoming. So before you keep going, how would you say that that work, because it was work and, you know, you were sort of exploring this new, um, this new information, this new understanding, this new sort of way of being conservation, sort of being the next thing you landed into, but how did that um, influence your art? Well, let's, for example, I worked a lot in Saskatchewan on Main Street re revitalization projects, okay, for this, mm. a nonprofit. And we had a really great time working for, um, with community groups, uh, thinking about their main street downtown, they're kind of vanishing and dying a little bit mm -hmm. uh, and how to revive them. So from that, I was really interested in disappearing landscapes. So mm -hmm. those um, grain elevator silos that you'd see uh, in Saskatchewan, uh, or the the abandoned farm buildings. So I'd take a lot of pictures, then go back to my studio and paint um, landscapes with um, like ink drawings that were uh, disappearing within that mm -hmm. landscape. So that type of work. And also I would see a lot of like trains um, with the merchandise, you know, you could see Costco, you know, Canadian Tire. So you realize through these landscapes that uh, consumption happens, right, all throughout Canada and the way um, goods move and our own like addiction to buying things. So it changes the whole landscape through these, mm. these, uh, um, these trains so I did this whole train series and most of that work is is now um, in collectors uh, uh, places but I, then yeah so that kind of builds all those are some of the examples that um, of my work how it influenced my own artistic journey so, so I'm I'm super curious about that it, the weaving of our lives, right? So of course we make decisions and we're like, yep, I'm doing this because I'm really excited about it. I'm interested about it. And for you as an artist, you were able to then um, sort of find an expression of the impact of that. And, you know, for those of us who maybe don't paint or don't consider, our, don't put ourselves into that position of, of creating a sometime, something visual, um, I find like often how we then curate our environments is really impacted by what we feel is happening or what we feel about what is happening. And so as you being somewhat transient, because you were all over the place, right, um, and carrying that art with you, I'm, I'm curious about 
how you saw yourself, right? So I'm thinking about that moment of where there's that professor saying, be like me, come and do the thing. And this is how you're going to be a you know, known good artist. I'm air quoting here because you can't see me if you're listening, but, um, and then, you know, this idea of um, conservation and conserving history while still expanding within it at the same time. So there you were, you know, not doing what everything, what everybody else said you should do, not sort of holding the line and doing what artists do. You found your own path. Um, I'm just, and maybe there's nothing, there's no question in here. I have no idea, but I'm just kind of interested in, um, in how you saw yourself maintaining yourself while evolving at the same time. Yeah, uh, I think I, because I had the time, if that makes sense, um, <laughs> where, you know, I made a point to create that self-reflection and to make art because I knew I was, that fueled me to be an artist and not to forget that. Mm. Um, so that was really important. Well, I think what was tough at one point was more um, when I became a mother. Um, now that, that was another, you know, I guess big aha moment in my life where um, all of a sudden, I knew that I was working with materials that were kind of toxic, mm. that I shouldn't be doing that, right? With a, uh, a baby in me <laughs> and, <laughs> and afterwards. And also like my creativity started be, to be fueled in um, just baby making, just preparing for, for motherhood, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, so I did from Gatineau though, uh, after working for this conservation activism, um, place, I worked for parks, Canada, uh, which is also in Gatineau. And then I decided to transfer to the Georgian Bay area in Midland. And at the time I didn't have kids. Uh, I was married, um, and we were newly married and trying for, for kids, but I think maybe, uh, we were quite busy in that area and we needed like a change of pace. I, I was there for a while. I was getting, you know, um, anxious to, to do something different. And I just told my husband like, Oh yeah, look, I have a, a possibility, maybe like an interview in Midland. Do you know where that is? I don't, and he's <laughs> like, I don't know where that is, but go. So it was middle of winter in February, I did the interview and came here and loved it. Uh, so we decided to move here. Wow. <laughs> that was it. It was, and that was about nine, nine years ago. Um, and uh, we had our first child that first year um, here. So it, something maybe in me needed that change uh, to, to create a, a really nice environment for our family. Mm -hmm. So from that, like, it was really hard. Like a lot of creatives, um, I actually stopped creating. And, um, that was really tough for me, but at the same time, I was just adapting to becoming a mother. You know, people would say like, oh, are you making any art? And, uh, well, I'm really focused on my family. Plus I had also the job that allowed me to, to move to, um, this, the Georgian Bay area. So I was kind of balancing all those things. 
and uh um and then three kids later uh <laughs> then i was now up the echelons in in uh, parks canada loved loved my job i was working as a park superintendent um, and, you know, one of the things I loved about Parks Canada, of course, is the conservation. It's a, a it's also the nas National Historic Site. So that fueling of um, my interests with conservation, nature, all those things came together in this job. But one thing that did not come together is really the creative aspect of, um, of my world, I guess that you could say that. Mm -hmm. And I just had just enough time in my creative practice to um to do some like side projects that are uh, that are really loved so in 2020 when i was uh, on maternity leave with my third child um there was a public call for art in our local town in penetanguishi and a friend of mine, another mother, uh, said, oh, you're an artist, right? I love what you do. And she, you know, she's seen my art in my house. And she's, uh, she's like, you're an artist, you should apply. It's like, I have no experience doing any <laughs> big, large scale sculpture. This is, this is crazy. Uh, but what happened was that night I went to bed. In the middle of the night, I woke up with an idea. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have the idea. And that's how it happens. Sometimes these ideas just fly. I don't know if you've, you've read um, Elizabeth Gilbert's um, yeah, <laughs> Big Magic. <laughs> yeah. so, I do really believe in that. Like there's this magic that comes to you. And that magic that night, I stopped everything. I wrote a proposal. I wrote a proposal in six hours and then did sketches and then sent it out to Penitent. I didn't know what I was doing. I knew I was an artist and that's it. Um, and I never, I've never done public, big public art sculptures, but um, yeah, I was willing to give it a try. The committee came back to me and said, we love it. We love the idea we want. <laughs> this is so different for our town, but you don't seem to have that experience. And, you know, can you partner with a, a fabricator? And then, then I did. So I did partner with a local fabricator and made it happen but I just at first it was so tough and I think that's it's relevant to a lot of people when you start something new and we've said this all the time like it's it feels uncomfortable mm -hmm. I think I'm in, I always enjoy that feeling of being uncomfortable and as a creative I know that's normal Right. Um, because I don't necessarily have an idea right away, but I have to trust that it will come. You know? So there is something really huge for me in this. So I recognize that not everybody who's listening is, um, is an artist. You, I believe everybody's creative, but you may not self-identify as an artist. But I think there's something really powerful there when you were talking about motherhood and, and um, whether you're a mom or not, for many of us, there comes this moment um, or many moments when we embark on something and there's mass amounts of uncertainty and big unknowns. And for many of us who maybe don't have a, a comfort with being uncomfortable with that uncertainty, we can really, really expend a lot of energy 
just trying to regain a sense of control in our lives. And I know from my experience and with a lot of women that I work with who happen to be moms, or uh, again, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be motherhood. It can just kind of be anything where that the force of control, this need to like, this has to be my way, this has to work this way, then that becomes the habit. We become so consumed by needing to control our environment to feel safe that we forget that parts of ourselves were open to exploring new things. That younger version of us, whether that's like kid or teenager or young adult, did take risks, did explore new things. That's what got us here in the first place. And I think it's amazing that um, not to, you know, I have no idea about your, your young motherhood experience, but there was that moment as a on maternity like young mom to be like, right, I remember what it means to embrace uncertainty and to trust, because that of course is the polar opposite of control is trust. Mm -hmm. It's not no control right? There's a lot of people are concerned that if they release control, if they surrender into an experience, then all will be lost and chaos will ensue. But when you trust and trust yourself and trust the, your process and your ability to figure shit out, um, magical things can happen. So I, I really wanted to highlight how beautiful that moment is and being open to receiving, Right. So Elizabeth Gilbert, she talks about how the energy of creativity and the ideas and it's out there in the universe. And if you're open and boom, it can pop into your head, but you have to receive it because if you don't receive it, it will leave and go to somebody else. And so you being open to receiving and then it literally woke you up. <laughs> it's like, OK, you're going to come out now. Um, that happens to every single one of us or it can happen. So it doesn't have to be I'm creating an, an art proposal. I could be creating or making decisions about my life or saying yes or saying no, like really about trusting yourself to be able to manage uncertainty. And I think on top of everything else, we've just been so inundated with uncertainty when it comes to the pandemic and everything that's ensued from that, that for those of us that have been, um, have a habit of needing control um, that we've just been exercising that muscle even more. And so it's even more needed to practice trust, to practice loving ourselves through the messy process and being creative with our own energy and our own sort of who we are, how we are, and what, like what we want to do with our lives. So thank you. I know you were just sharing that this is what happened, but I'm like, it's such a, a, a like a beacon. I like, I want to this is a flashing red light here. Like this is something that I want everybody to hear that if you feel like you, you're afraid to lose control, that chaos will ensue. Like you need to like put your hands on everything and you're constantly like, kind of like my way or the highway thinking that trust, trust is the opposite of that. So practicing trust mm -hmm. so that you can build that muscle will help to relieve that stress and anxiety of feeling unfulfilled. That's my that's just my personal opinion there. Um, but I wanted to thank you for highlighting that with that experience of taking on this, Hey, I'm going to go do this crazy thing that I don't know what I'm doing, but here I am. And they said, yes. And I'm, Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. And it's okay. If you do something and they say no, or it doesn't work out because you, 
you know, I have a lot of stories where I've been told no, or not at this time, or this is, you know, great idea, but it's not for us. And that's, that's fine. Um, you have to recognize that too. But like going back to the pandemic, I, we did the uh, reveal, let's say of that public art sculpture, uh, right in February, end of February, 2020. Uh, and then the world shut down, of course. Uh, and I had my three kids, my three kids were one, three and five. And of course, if you, if other mothers are listening with young children during a pandemic, it was uh, specifically very difficult, I think, for us. And, and um, you know, I was managing working as well um, from home with the, with three kids and my, and my husband, because we don't have family where we are, family support system. Um, we were relying a lot just on each other. So it was, it was very difficult. So I had to actually put a pause on a lot of my creativity because I was exhausted. I was absolutely exhausted. Um, and, but that's, that's okay. I kind of said, you know, that's part of my life and that's part of everyone's life. And a lot of, even a lot of creatives during that time that I know of, um, not in that situation, they, it was an extra, uh, a very productive time for them, you know, and good for them. That was their right. journey. It was right. not mine. <laughs> it was right. not mine. And I'm okay with that. But um, one thing I did do, there was another public art call uh, in Midland, or so the town right beside the first um, public art sculpture I did. And um, again, another um, mother in my circle of friends sent me the uh, call for art and said, you should apply, you should do it. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know. They're they're saying that you need experience and you do now you have experience you should do it it's like oh, okay but I don't have an idea and then then it dawned on me I said what if I reached out to another female um, mother creative and we collaborate we help each other out and we create this um, because the, the budget was much larger so it was around a hundred thousand um, the budget so you know I really wanted to put my best foot forward and then really truly collaborate with another female cre creative. And I did that, I reached out to, her name is Holly Archer and she's a, um, a local, I didn't even know her, but I was like, just cold, basically cold called her on social media. I was like, <laughs> hi, I know hi. your sister. I know you're, you know, you're, I follow you and you want to get together and see if we wanted to collaborate. Because I had a start of an idea. Anyways, so long story short, um, we got the proposal, we sent it away, and they came back to us and they said yes. Yay. So then, yeah, so because I had that experience of the first one, it was easier for me to work with the fabricators, and, and, and we installed the um, piece in August of 2021, which again fueled my creativity. So, mm -hmm. you know, saying yes to these things then leads you to another path. Then I started to be all my like waking hours thinking about art and how I can do another public art sculpture because I'm on a roll. I could do this. So I was applying to all kinds of opportunities, um, especially around Toronto. It's a big like cultural hub, but all over the place. But what I was getting was, again, rejections 
and mm -hmm. you have to be okay with that. But the rejections, the feedback, when I was, I was asking always for feedback, they were saying, well, you just don't have enough experience and um, in sculpture or in the, the public art. You're competing against people that have won the Sobe Art Award or finalists or, you know, these big important artists. So good luck to you. <laughs> so I was like, hmm, okay, how do I become a, a, a big important artist? How do I do that? Because mm. I'm a little, a small timer here, <laughs> but is that what I want to do? And if that's what I want to do, something has to give. And I was, like I said, a park superintendent with 55 employees mm -hmm. running a national park. Um, and I loved it. However, it was like 1% of the time I was actually in the park. And then maybe 99% of the time was the bureauc bureaucracy and the paperwork, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of the admin side of things. And um, although I love the people I was working with, um, I just, there was some part of me that wasn't fulfilled, fulfilled. And, you know, we all have a finite amount of time in our lives. Mm -hmm. We have to decide what, what's most important. So right. I was juggling way too much. And then it was, I couldn't balance anymore. So I actually had a burnout in February, mm. in the fall of 2021. And maybe, you know, with the rejections from these public art calls, which I was putting so much effort in and just, you know, getting the, the feedback, well, you're just not important enough, you know? I was like, well, and then I even saw on one of the finalist lists of um, like the Stoby Art Award is a big one in Canada. And one of the finalists was an old roommate of mine that, you know, great for her. Uh, but I was like, well, can I do that too? Maybe mm -hmm. I can do that. You know? I just, um, yeah. There's something here as well. I mean, as someone who has suffered from burnout, and I know that there's a lot of women who are going through the symptomology of burnout or experiencing elements of it, whether or not they get diagnosed or, or you know, you hit some kind of benchmark and boom, it's burnout. So much of it has to do with who we believe we are and what it means to be those things. And then, so, you know, you're, we have mom, we have creative, we have um, creative and then slash artist as well. So there's like that business of art and then there's the, the creative of art and then there's the conservation, the nature and all these pieces. Mm -hmm. And often we then give each of those titles a set of criteria and then we live into that and that becomes who we are. So, you know, for, if we, if we believe that what it means to be an artist is all of these things and what it means to be a mom is all of these things, then if we're not living up to all of the things, then we're somehow not doing it right. And we're failing. And then we get into that. Like, I can't do enough. I can't keep going. I, you know, you just go, go, go trying to, um, just achieve more and more and more and more. <clears throat> And I find that the, the one thing that burnout survivors who flipped into thriving often embody is this idea of, it's not so much about the hats you wear and the titles that you hold that define you, it's you define you. And then from there, you do things from there. So, you know, for you as Camille, you 
are a creative individual and your creativity shows up in a variety of ways. There was a period of time that it showed up in parenting and what, and then the energy was there. It didn't take away, you didn't stop having the capacity for art and the business of art and, um, you know, leaving a job that, you know, connects to conservation, connects to nature, doesn't stop you from being a conservationist or right. someone who loves nature. And I think it's how we, often it's how we define ourselves and then what we believe to be true about ourselves that sort of we, it becomes this like benchmark that we create. Yeah. And um, so I love that you were like, okay, these are the things that I feel passionate about. I'm excited about. I'm excited to do the work that apparently important artists do. So how do I, you know, what does it look like to do those things? Does that fit with me as a person? Check. Yep. Okay. It does. Does it align with my, the life I want to live? Oh, it doesn't at the moment. So what, like you said, something has to give and it does. And even that terminology is not even about giving. It's just about being. And, you know, that finite amount of energy and time and money and, and all the things that, that we have to operate within, and unless you're all into space-time continuum quantum field, and then there's no time, but whatever, that's another conversation. But the, the importance of acknowledging that you're not losing anything by continuously focusing on you, like you didn't stop being you because you left a certain job. And I'll, and I say that. But that's usually the battle that we, so many of us face that we've put our, what we do out in front of us or the, the titles or the hats we wear, and they become our definers that if they were to change, we somehow don't know who we are anymore. And um, so I'm curious if you had run into any of that. Um, and if that sort of contributed to the, the burnoutness of it, like that experience of like, fuck, what's happening? What am I doing? Um, and did you feel a little lost? And I'm going to guess that that feeling, if it did exist, is gone now. So what was that like for you? I, I think you did hit the nail on the head there, where the title, a lot of the work I was doing as a park superintendent and, you know, being a director, people were coming to me. Um, and even within the community, they were seeing me as the park superintendent what started that started to shift a little bit especially with a big public arts sculptures I was doing people were referring to me as like Kemi Miles the artist you know so I was like oh maybe it's okay to have like multiple hats or identities if that makes sense and like I said at the beginning where we are fractured people uh, but fractured is, it seems negative, but it's not because we can weave ourselves um, in, in different roles um, throughout our lives, depending on what we need at that time. And yeah. I think for, for me, I was, I was chasing this dream of becoming a park superintendent and I got it, you know, because, and then I was like, okay, this is great, but I changed I, I did change, especially through motherhood, knowing my own limits. I couldn't be the person um, putting 100% of everything in my job anymore. Um, I needed to find that balance, but also find an outlet. And I needed that creative, creative outlet for me. Um, so going, you know, having that burnout and saying, oh, okay, 
uh, well, are we okay, you know, financially within our family unit? <laughs> you know, are we, I, I had the privilege to like have that choice um, and say, maybe we live a little less extravagantly. And then maybe I explore um, my creative life uh, a little bit more and see where it goes. But that felt extremely uncomfortable. So to to kind of connect with others uh, and to myself, you know, I started journaling, I started taking moments to myself um, and really even connecting to other mothers uh, living mm -hmm. through the same situation. Um, and I, I actually went and did a call out to mothers and this is how I guess my social art projects stemmed from. Um, and it's called just a moment, but basically what, what I did was uh, through social media, I asked mothers to take a moment for themselves and take a picture of themselves with their eyes closed and, um, have the time to reflect and be somewhere alone and reflect. Um, and then tell me about that moment of self-reflection and what it meant to you. So I would I got so many testimonials. I, I was overwhelmed after just two weeks of uh, this call out. I had about a hundred submissions of women in my little circle, um, generously offering me some moments that were very vulnerable, things that they would not share on social media. You know, our social media lives are very curated um, mm -hmm. and just show a little glimpse of who we are. Um, so that authenticity really came out through these pictures. And I didn't know what I was going to do with them, to be honest. It, it was a way for me to get reference photos for diving back into my creativity. Because in anything that we do, we have to know how to practice. And it's okay to be bad at something at first. <laughs> So I was kind of bad at getting back into painting. You know, I was kind of bad at, uh, you know, doing portraits and all that stuff. So what I did was I got, um, I enrolled in a class uh, with New York Academy of Arts, which is awesome, um, virtually. So we did the virtual thing and uh, I was using the, uh, the photos that I received from the mothers to just create bodies of work that um, I felt compelled to experiment with. So I've been actually doing that for months now. Um, mm. And I still continue to use those references to create more work, uh, but it kind of morphed. So this, this whole project, this, I decided to say, well, you know, I need to go back to the core of this. Why did I do this? I needed help because I was suffering from burnout, depression, uh, I was, you know, I, I sought help from others, went through therapy, um, also medication, nothing wrong with that. Um, and I grew out of it, but it's, it's about mental health struggles mm -hmm. and specifically with mothers and having that need to connect. So I decided, you know, um, it, this is not about me. So all this art that I was creating from it, that's great for me and for um, 
you know, to, to, for practice and uh, experimenting. But I went back to the original photos and decided, you know, this is a social art project um, that's more of like a public art thing where right now I'm working with partners that are in the mental health um, uh, stream, I guess, locally here. So uh, a few hospitals and partners that um, I'm going to do an exhibition with the photos. So mm. it's basically the photos are going to surround people and we're going to um, have conversations about um, mental health and offer support. Um, and also what I'm thinking about is um, doing a, uh, like taking over a vacant retail location, um, could be in the mall or something like that, or high traffic area where mothers normally uh, go, but wouldn't go to necessarily a gallery or a mental health hospital or something like that. So, um, and then they would, they would come and just be encouraged to just take a moment for themselves and tell others that it's okay um, if they take a moment for themselves. So it's, it's going back to this idea of like um, self-reflection, you know, mm -hmm. journaling really has helped me. <laughs> and it, it, I always thought like, oh, that sounds so corny. But, you know, journaling 30 minutes every morning just to put all my anxiety, all my bad thoughts or good thoughts, but, you know, all my, um, my to-do list, anything that needs to be put down and then let go. Mm -hmm. And I never even read it again. And that's, <laughs> you know, I have that. I love there's been a theme through the stories that you've shared about taking that time for self-reflection. So going back to, um, you know, being in Rome and having that time to like be alone and what that meant and almost sort of setting the stage for your multitude of experiences that expand and grow and become, you know, normative and whatever that means. But, you know, you're like, go, 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 do, do, do. And yet built in these moments of reflection. And I think that, um, you know, obviously through your art that that has been expressed. And so even that what you were shared about the trains and what that meant for you and how that um, sort of helped you to see the experience differently. And um, in the you said something really powerful. A lot of what you said was very powerful, but it was that idea of being a beginner again. I think, you know, you had to get back into the habit of what it meant to be a painter again. So, so many of us, we, we get stuck in the, I'm a painter, which means I should just be able to do the things I did before. And sometimes we negate that life is happening and the time is ticking and that we are putting our finite energy in different places. And that's okay. Sometimes that's it by choice. Sometimes we're thrust into things and we have to just manage, but it never negates what we were as long as we're willing to, to show up to it again. And, and, trust ourselves to be the beginner again. Of course, we're not beginning from the absolute beginning. We're, we're, we're starting from a place of, of knowledge that we've done it before. I think there's something really powerful there that being the beginner, making mistakes and, you know, screwing things up that maybe there was a time that you could do it perfectly before, but it, it doesn't negate your value just because it, things have shifted. And if anything, soon as we can make that shift mentally to be like, it's okay that, this isn't the way it used to be because I'm not the way I used to be. And I am this new person doing these new, beautiful things, all of it simultaneously. 
And that from a mental health standpoint is really about that feeling empowered to not be perfect because that's obviously that's not even a thing. Um, I love, love the project that you've worked, that you're working on. I have had, um, you know, through your social media, been able to see some of the, the evidence of that work that you've been doing. And I'm super excited to see how that comes together and, and offers not just art and not just an opportunity to be in the presence of something that's been created and poured love into, but that what will transpire at a community level. I think so much of your work as installations, as, as public offerings have these ripple effects. Um, and, and I'm, I'm just so grateful for that. And I, I think it's also even to highlight that each of us by showing up for ourselves and doing something that aligns with who we are, who we believe we are, who it is that we want to be it too, whether it's an art installation or not has a beautiful ripple effect that we are creating impact and legacy with every breath. And, um, and we get to sort of kind of recreate ourselves constantly in the process. It's, um, I'm, I'm so grateful to have had you here sharing the, the, the journey that you have been on and, um, and now the knowing how you've taken all of those pieces and reflected for decades and pulled everything together to come to this place of um, sort of this shared experience that we all sort of get to be a part of. I think it's really powerful. So I'm super grateful. So thank you. Um, Before we um, hop off, is there anything, I mean, you've shared so much about um, how you've learned to find your way in different places, geography, like different places on the planet and different places within yourself. But is there anything that you want uh, to leave the listeners with today? Any thoughts or ideas? Well, what you said about self-reflection, I think it's uh, it's an important part of my work. Um, and uh, going back to your why, you know, in anything that you do, just why are you doing it? You know, why is this important to you? And that can change. And it's okay if it changes Um during your lifetime too and it's okay to to shift you have to also um, reflect on why you want it to change if you need a change I know um, in my work now I realize that a lot of it is about self-reflection and that's why I use a lot of mirrors and Mm -hmm. even my public art sculptures they're always interactive with a mirrored component to it grounding the, the viewer in the present and I think even now where I'm going through my art, I've shifted away from painting as much and going into uh, more sculptural work using reflective material to even talk about that self-reflection even more. Mm. So, yeah, so I guess that's a, that's a part of my process that I think is really important, but can be transferable to any anyone is like, you have to show up, you have to know you have to be clear on your why that can change and it's okay. The the journaling um, ideas do come to me, but I also show up in my studio every single day and with a certain routine, you know, I put my (laughs) incense on, I do my journaling, I do some sketches, I warm up and then I get into something. 
And that could change every day. But I try to show up to my studio, even if it's uncomfortable, I don't feel like it. So I think that's a transferable, like, I guess, um, method to anything is that you just, even if you maybe you're not comfortable that day, you can realize that, but also just, just try to go into it with Mm -hmm. like happiness and an open heart and see, even if it's, uh, shows your vulnerability that it's okay to go into that and try anything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love that the, the practice is the process, the product may or may not come right. But when you practice the process of whatever it is that you're working to create or become good at, or feel more connected to, um, the, whether it's art or just life, just practice being in process and, over time, that habit will become so sustained that the products will just flow. And then you can trust yourself in your process because that's what you've been practicing. Love that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. So I will absolutely have um, all the links for anybody so that they can check out your work and um, dive a little bit deeper into the brilliance that you're putting out into the world. So thank you so much for that. And I too am a huge proponent of journaling and self-reflection. So I love that there we have that connection. And uh, so if anybody's interested in having that conversation, I think we should dive into that a little bit more too. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you to all the listeners for joining us today. And we will talk to you very soon. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Join Dion again next week to learn more about what you can do to go from hot mess to awesomeness. Thank you.